All right, everybody, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss last night's Denver Nuggets win over the Oklahoma City Thunder in the home opener. Final score of this one, 122-117. I apologize for getting up a podcast a little bit later. Uh, obviously, I'm a day late on this. I got home from Ball Arena really late last night and just did not have it in me. Wanted to relax a little bit, wanted to get up a podcast. Now, I had done five last week, so I, I didn't really feel uh, as as pressured as I probably could have been. But I knew I needed to get a podcast up about this game because it was a fantastic game and it's the home opener. Absolutely. You just have to be able to talk about something like this. So going to talk about it, going to have a good time. Really excited to discuss the starting lineup, uh, the intros that were given out of the home opener, the bench lineup, and I'm not necessarily excited to talk about the bench, but also general takeaways in the third segment, and we'll talk about kind of where things stand right now. But first, let's circle back to the intros. This game began, obviously, about 7 o'clock was when it was supposed to tip, not tip, but like that's when it's designated that everything would kind of kick off. And right away, Denver basically, they did an interesting part of their intro where they kicked off the assistant coaches and the trainers along with head coach Michael Malone, introduced those guys to the arena, which I thought was very cool. Then they introduced the uh, Oklahoma City starters. And then they did a nice hype video, and it was great. I think they did a really nice job with all of the game presentation and everything uh, to bring up the morale of the audience, to bring up the energy of everybody. It was fantastic. It was fantastic for sure. And then they introduced the starters. I think you went with the newcomer, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, then Aaron Gordon, then Michael Porter Jr., and Michael Porter got a really nice ovation from the crowd louder than the two previous ones. And then uh, Kyle Speller, he said, point guard from Kentucky, basically, number 27 from Kentucky. And the crowd just went delirious. It was unbelievable, actually. I'm, I'm sad that I didn't capture a video of it, but you had to be there. It was a lot of fun to be in the arena and to hear the crowd erupt as Jamal kind of walked down the the pathway that they had outlined for the players around the middle of the court. Got a massive ovation. Nikola Jokic, also another massive ovation, though not as strong as he was introduced as the two-time MVP, which is very cool. And Denver, they I think they rode that wave a little bit. They rode that wave of energy in that first quarter. The starters started things off really well, and, and throughout the game, I thought the starters just played strong, excellent basketball, at least overall. There are definitely some things to work on throughout the game, but if you got to start with anybody, it's got to be Nikola Jokic. This dude is unbelievable. Once again, he just continues to prove his worth to Nuggets faithful, to anybody that follows the Nuggets in general. They know exactly how important he is. They know what he means to this Nuggets team, and he did it without scoring, at least for the first half. Six of 10 from the field overall. Did shoot six of nine from the free throw line, which I think it's interesting. First game, two free throws for Nikola Jokic. Next game, 11. Tonight, or last night, nine. I think it's going to be a nice bellwether for if the Nuggets are successful 
is if Nikola Jokic is aggressive and can get to the free throw line, can get Denver some easy points here or there. But overall, it wasn't an aggressive Nikola Jokic, and the reason for that was Oklahoma City was double teaming almost extensively. Whenever Jokic caught the ball in the post, they were not going to let him go to work. He was facing a baseline double every single time. They didn't double from up top, they doubled from the baseline, and they forced him to make some cross-court passes that were uh, very difficult for just about anybody else. Nikola Jokic, though, he makes those with relative ease. Jokic only had three turnovers tonight, or last night. I think two of those were in the first half, one of them in the second, but he had 13 assists. And to really put that into perspective, there were some turnover troubles with Denver for sure. But anytime your lead decision maker is up over a 4-1 to one assist to turnover ratio, you're usually going to win the basketball game. I wish I had numbers to back that up and just like a, an actual, some actual empirical evidence of that, but that feels like a really nice barometer for where a team and their healthy offense is supposed to be. But Jokic dominated as a playmaker, dominated as a rebounder, grabbed 16 of Denver's 46 rebounds. Denver still got out-rebounded 47 to 46, but it wasn't for lack of trying from Jokic. Like 16 rebounds, and Jokic played 39 minutes in this game, but we'll talk about why in the second segment. But then he started turning on the scoring a little bit in the second half. I think he had four points, maybe six points in the first half, finished the game with 19, and had his triple-double. 19, 16, and 13 with a steal and a block. It was a plus 18 in this game. He tied Wilt Chamberlain for his 78th triple-double, which is the sixth all-time and tied for first among centers in NBA history. And let me tell you, it is fantastic to hear because as this dude continues to climb up the record books, and he will, there's no doubt in my mind that he will, people are going to start fully appreciating just what he's doing from the center position and how crazy it is. At some point this year, He's going to kick off some center assist records. He's not quite there, and I don't think he's going to get there quite this year. But during his career, he's going to set the all-time record for assists from the center position. And it's going to be fascinating to think about what that reception is going to look like and how he can really define a position as the playmaker and passer that he is. But his playmaking, it helped win Denver the game tonight. He was the catalyst for everything. He helped set up guys like Jamal Murray, like Michael Porter, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, Aaron Gordon. All of these guys received assists from Jokic, doing the things that they specialize in doing. Let's focus in now. Let's focus on Jamal Murray uh, because this was his game back. He sat out the previous game on Friday night to play in Saturday night's game, and he played pretty well. Definitely took a little bit to get going, for sure. And the final line isn't necessarily something that you would think of from a star. But he played 28 minutes, or it was technically 27 minutes and 30 seconds. It says 28 on the box score. But 27 minutes, 30 seconds. And that in and of itself should be really encouraging to people. So far, he's played 26 and 27 minutes. And I didn't expect him to be at that level initially. I thought that he would play a little bit fewer minutes than that. But at this stage, if he can handle that number of minutes immediately, 
it's going to streamline the process, I think, of getting him back up to full speed, where he sees the court, he sees the defense, he starts to react a little bit better and quicker to different situations. He's going to be back up to full speed in no time. But until then, he put up 16 points on 6 of 12 from the field, only 1 of 4 from 3. I think the three-point shot is going to be probably his biggest uh, leap. 3 of 4 from the free throw line, had 5 assists, 4 rebounds, 2 steals, and 5 turnovers. There were definitely some turnovers with him where it's one of those where you absolutely know that he just thinks that somebody's going to be in a certain place and they're not there. Or maybe he knows that somebody is going to be in a certain place, but he couldn't quite execute the pass. That's not a problem. Like He'll figure that out over the course of months. Like This this is not something that I'm super concerned about. But until then, it could be difficult at some points. He had the lowest plus minus of any of the starters at plus 10. Michael Porter's was a plus 20. So I do think that there could be some ranges there that when Murray is on the court, the team might not be at their full, full strength. But I do think that by the end of this stretch, maybe it's by the end of December or the end of January, Denver's going to be just fine. Michael Porter Jr., 22 points, 6 rebounds, 1 steal, 1 block, 1 assist, plus 20 as I mentioned. Porter, and I was talking about this with Matt Moore after the game, he's an enigma. He's somebody who you don't know if he necessarily had a good game or a bad game because there are definitely some moments tonight where Porter, with being 6'10", with being the, the physical talent that he is, with rebounding being one of his best skills, Porter should have come down with at least 10 rebounds tonight, I think. And he had, like I think the turnover that he had, or actually no, he had three. One of the turnovers that he had, excuse me, was a rebound that he grabbed that was then ripped out of his hands by Lugens Dort. And so he will give up some possessions like that. Sometimes he will space out on different defensive possessions. But overall, I think the defense is fine. I think it's going to be good at various points and bad at various points. But when you look at it from the entire body of work standpoint, who gave up more points between Michael Porter and Nikola Jokic? I think it was Jokic. I think Jokic definitely with his uh, drop coverage facing pick and pop centers he willingly conceded a variety of open shots, and that's just not going to fly. Like He has to be better at that, but nobody's really going to complain about that. So I, I'm going to point it out that, look, I don't know if Michael Porter is going to be the worst defender on the court every single night. Like I think there's definitely going to be aspects where Porter can be better, but for the most part, he's out there and doing great things. 22 points, 5 of 10 from 3. 8 of 15 from the field goal, uh, from the field. And 8 of 15 even felt like it could have been better. Porter actually missed some open shots, which it doesn't feel like he ever should do that because of how talented of a shooter he is. And then you look back up at the box score and he's hit 50% from three. Like, he's a machine. I don't know if the games tonight will change anything in terms of the totals. But right now, Michael Porter is leading the NBA. The last time I saw this at the beginning of sun, or at the like Sunday morning, Michael Porter was leading the NBA in total three pointers made. That's a really big leap because it means a he's getting the shots, and b he's making enough to 
even outmatch some of the players who get more shots than him, like a Steph Curry, like a Clay Thompson, like a uh, Damian Lillard, players of that nature that are going to have the ball in their hands consistently and get up even more shots than Porter. But Porter being as efficient as he is, he's got to be on the court because nobody else in the league is shooting 50% from three over the course of a year. And Porter actually has the capability to do that. KCP introduced himself to the crowd yesterday. 21 points, 6 of 10 from 3. A lot of the possessions that he had coming off of DHOs, where he just rose and fired from the three-point line, those were impressive. Those were really, really impressive shots. And they show a high level of understanding of where he can get his shots, where he can impact the game. And I thought it was fantastic. 21 points on 13 shots is really, really good. Had five rebounds, had two assists. Um, There was one baseline pass that Jokic had where he was doubled baseline. He wrapped around a slinger bounce pass to the opposite corner, like kind of falling out of bounds towards the, the right baseline. He threw a pass to the opposite baseline off the bounce under the basket. KCP catches it, hits it, draws the four point play. He's just so reliable. There's just something about it where you absolutely know that when the ball finds him, you have the sense of confidence that he's going to make it. He's that veteran. He's a competent shooter already. There's definitely no doubt about that. And he may get the best shots he's ever had in his career playing in Denver. Because while like LeBron James, Anthony, Anthony Davis, they definitely drew some attention away from KCP and he was the guy spacing. But KCP's never had other guys like Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Nikola Jokic that can also space the floor. Because AD wasn't spacing the floor for the Lakers. LeBron, not really his game to space the floor. He can. But with Denver, KCP's going to be finding himself wide open on several occasions. And I just have confidence that he's going to knock him down. And Ball Arena does too. They love him. They love him already. And that is a great sign. He's wearing that number five. He looks like Will Barton on the court, but he doesn't play like him. He plays like his own player. And though he, like, I think he's kind of a mix between what Gary Harris was in Denver, where he's coming off of that DHO on the left side of the court, kind of turns, pulls up, even in the mid range. And he looked pretty good doing it. Like, he's one of three from two, but. Those shots are helpful. They are definitely helpful shots within the flow of an offense. So I'm okay with him taking, I don't know, one, two, three of those a game. Like, just kind of depends on how he's feeling. And then finally, Aaron Gordon. Uh, oh, and by the way, KCP got the Shea Gilgis Alexander assignment for most of the night. Shea did try to hunt some switches throughout the game. But early on, KCP was really bothering Shea. I don't think Shea had a, a great feel for what KCP was going to do on the defensive end. And KCP clearly had a good scout on what Shea likes to do. And he stayed in front of him extremely well. So credit to him for sure. Finally, Aaron Gordon. Aaron was a beast on the boards. No doubt about that. Five offensive rebounds, 10 total, 11 points, 10 rebounds, two assists, two blocks. Did have a block against Shea at one point during this game. It might have been against, uh, no, I think it was against Shea, but it might have been against Giddy. Um, But Aaron at times, 
He will force it in traffic and does do a good job, I think, of recovering even when the shot is blocked. And he will grab his own miss at that point or grab his own block shot and then power it back up through people and dunk over them. And he's dunking with some ferocity for sure. But I will say, he also hit a key three tonight. It never really feels good when he shoots the three. But tonight he hit a three with about two and a half minutes left, or last night, excuse me. And that's just one of those where you know that if he didn't hit that, OKC was going to go on a little bit of a run. And the momentum would have swung completely in their favor. But Aaron does hit it, and Denver wins. I think I think it might have gone the other way had he not. So credit to him for doing that. Still has to get a little bit better in a variety of regards. But like, and he also missed four free throws tonight, so has to get better there. But still, uh, he will be good. He will be very good for sure. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench unit and some of the issues that I think they're going to continue to have. We'll be right back. Pickaxe and Roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I know everybody's excited about Superbook Sports, whether they're betting on basketball, football, baseball playoffs. I know the hockey's rolling around. Superbook has you covered with Vegas style wagering in the palm of your hands. And now they'll match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if that bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium or the arena to enjoy sports this fall. Just visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all of the action. Place your bet and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's get back into this podcast as now we're going to talk about the bench. And I know it's unfortunate, but we have to because this bench unit is a struggle. First night, they play with, uh, against Utah, the Bones, Davon, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan lineup. And that lineup, it's it's horrible. They immediately, um, like not immediately, but quickly have to go to Jeff Green at five, which they continue into the second half. That one has a little bit more success, but definitely is something that Denver has to struggle with. And they that's not really a tenable solution for all 82 games. Next. They try Christian Brown in there in place of Bruce Brown, who moves to the starting lineup. That goes well against Golden State. Last night, against OKC at home, they play a lineup of the following. Bones Highland, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, and Zeke Naji. Zeke basically makes his debut, and it didn't go well. Uh, I think we should probably start with Zeke because I think that's the... That's the important point for this bench group. Zeke has to rebound. If there's one thing that he does, if there's one thing that DeAndre Jordan does while he's in the game, it's to rebound and to play big against whoever he's matching up against. Zeke grabs zero rebounds in nine minutes. And I don't know if he was particularly close on any of them. Zeke's line for the night, 
four points, two of three from the field, zero rebounds, assists, steals, or blocks, had a turnover, and also committed four fouls in nine minutes and was a minus 10. Now, is it Zeke's fault in this case? I don't know. I I think that there are some things that he does well when he's out there, but there are some things at center that he's still trying to figure out, that he's still trying to learn. What I do know is that he and Michael Porter Jr. have the same disease, which is weak hands. And that is going to be a problem at the center position, especially playing next to Jeff Green, who grabbed one rebound in 20 minutes. Bruce Brown had two. Bones Highland had one. Christian Brown had one. The entire bench grabbed four rebounds. That's not good. Now, they didn't force much stops, but that's still not saying a lot of good things. It's one of the reasons why they were double-digit negatives, other than Bruce Brown, who played 26 minutes and played a lot of his time with the starters. I think that Zeke, in this case, it was curious watching Mike Muscala, somebody who I think Denver should probably have their radar on if they're looking for a backup center down the line. Watching him guard Mike Muscala, Muscala knew how to push the buttons. He knew how to go back and forth between picking and popping and picking his spots there versus rolling to the rim and putting pressure on the rim. He also grabbed six rebounds in 19 minutes, Muscala did. And I thought that Muscala played really, really well against Zeke. And that really stands out. It really stands out that Zeke Naji, who Denver has big plans with, a big belief in, was drastically outplayed by Muscala. Is it entirely Zeke's fault? No. No, I think that he has to be set up in a certain way, and I don't think that he should just be purely rolling to the rim. Part of his allure as a, as a center is that he can space the floor a little bit. He didn't get a chance to. Absolutely not. The guard play for Denver was really bad with the bench unit, and I think Zeke is very dependent in those situations. But if it's not going well, then he's got to get on the glass, and he's got to be big enough to box out some of these guys and help Denver rebound better. You better believe that it wasn't Nikola Jokic, Aaron Gordon, and Michael Porter Jr.'s unit that was really struggling on the glass. Those guys, the starters, combined for 32 of Denver's 46 rebounds. And Jamal Murray and KCP, they each had, or they had nine between them, so that's 41. Uh, the bench actually had five rebounds. Excuse me. That's that's my fault. But look, I think we're in a situation where this bench lineup – actually, I'll save that for the, th- the third segment. Just know that Zeke did not play well, and he needs to start playing well or else he's going to fall out of favor really quickly. Uh, or Denver's just going to have to play him at a different position. Bones Highland. Bones Highland also had a poor game. I thought he'd play better. I I thought that he would be in a better situation to excel. Um, He did not play well. He did not handle the pressure well from the opposing team, whether it was Aaron Wiggins, whether it was Lou Dort, whether it was even Trey Mann or any of the other guys that, that switched out onto him. I don't think that he handled that pressure well, and I don't think that he ran the offense particularly well. He's got to be the guy. There's no question about it that if Bones isn't going with that bench unit, then the bench unit is going to struggle. 
is a bone's fault. If he struggles, that the bench has zero answers other than him. I don't think it's his fault, but he's got to drive healthy offense. There's no doubt about that. 14 minutes, he scores just one point, misses a free throw. Um, 0 of 5 from the field, 0 of 1 from 3. Did have three assists compared to one turnover, so it wasn't like it was the end of the world. But it was a D-minus game. And this is one of those things where you're just going to have to live with it until he gets himself into a better rhythm because he's not there yet. He's he's a young player. He's still trying to figure some things out. But one of the things about Bones is that he takes some time to get into a rhythm. But once he gets there, he'll be great. And he's not going to have very many bad games after that. So hopefully he can find his rhythm soon because Denver's already dealing with Jamal Murray, who's uh, not at his max power is what I will say. Bruce Brown, not much better than Bones on the offensive end, though he did hit a key three in that fourth quarter. Bruce Brown also had three assists, had five points, two rebounds, one block. Uh, Like I said, he paired well with those starters, did not pair so well with the bench. That needs to improve um, for sure. Like there's, there's just zero doubt about that. Like he's got to find some methods of being better with the bench. And I do think that Michael Porter might be the solution there where you're staggering those two or you're staggering uh, Michael Porter. Bruce Brown comes in early for him to play with the starters. And then Michael Porter comes back in to help lead the charge with bones on that second unit. That'll help space the floor. That'll help get Denver the requisite shots that they need. And Bruce Brown can screen and play two-man game with both Bones and MPJ. There's no doubt that he can do that. But until then, he doesn't look in the right place. At least not yet. Christian Brown, though, he's starting to get it. He's really, really starting to get it with this team. 16 minutes, 9 points, 3 of 5 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3, 2 assists, 1 rebound, 1 steal, and 1 block right at the end of the game. Didn't really matter, uh, but he was switched out onto Shea and played pretty well. Once again, Christian Brown just continues to impress. Uh, He is not a liability out there on the defensive unit at any particular time. He switches out onto everybody, guards really well, gets his hands in passing lanes, makes things difficult for the opposing team. And though there were some good moments from the opposition in terms of spacing the floor, hitting various shots, I do think that most of OKC's damage came on drives, and those drives were not against Christian Brown. I think he gave up one drive, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to go back and look, but it felt like Christian Brown was doing his thing once again, and that he has the trust of this group in a good way. It was pretty early. And I'm not surprised that he got the nod over Davon Reed at home. I think that having a guy like Christian Brown who can lock in on the defensive end, that really helps. And he shot the ball. Like, that's the thing. That's the thing that he he didn't really show in that second game. But he had nine points tonight. Three of five from the field, three of four from three. One of those threes was the Nikola Jokic kind of lobbed the pass over the top of the defense out of the double team to the opposite corner where Christian Brown has to catch it and fire pretty much immediately, and he hits it. Then he hit another three at the top of the key where he was setting the screen for Nikola Jokic. 
uh, kind of the cross screen to have Nikola Jokic go down into the post. And Christian Brown's defender stayed with Nikola Jokic for so long that Christian Brown exited out to the top of the key, caught the ball, realized he was wide open, and then canned the three. And then the last three that he hit was a catch and shoot where he pump faked, took one rhythm dribble to the side, relocated, and hit the three. These are the shots that you need. These are the shots that you know that Christian Brown can hit. And if he continues to hit those, then he's going to become invaluable because spacing the floor and playing the level of defense that he has, that has its place in every single lineup for sure. He may not be a great creator yet, but he's doing enough and that's good enough. And finally, Jeff Green. Jeff deserves a mention. 14 points, 5 of 5 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3, 2 of 4 from the free throw line. Uh, like Two of the threes that he hit, like they're great shots. Those are important shots where, like I said in the, the Golden State game, if he can space the floor for that second unit, it becomes a little bit easier, especially with DeAndre Jordan on the court because Jordan's going to have a lot more rim gravity than somebody like Zeke. So you've got somebody spacing in Jeff Green. You've got somebody rolling in DeAndre Jordan. And then the other three guards, whether it's Bones, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Davon Reed, Jamal Murray, KCP, etc. Those guys have to figure it out around those two. But I think that Denver is starting to find that formula a little bit where if Jeff Green can hit those threes, that's going to be really, really helpful. Now, he basically tied for the team low and plus minus because basically any combination that Denver used outside of their starting group, and then some with Bruce Brown, um, it wasn't good. I'm not sure how much to put on Jeff on that. Like, did Jeff's guy score? No. Like Osman Jang, uh, Kenrich Williams, Mike Muscala was Zeke's man, and he was a uh, Jokic's man. So it's not like Jeff was the guy that I can really point to in this situation as to why the bench didn't work. He's been fine. I don't think he can play all 82 games. I think that would be a problem. But if he can play enough, Denver should be good. All right. Good win. Let's take a final break. When we come back, we're going to do final takeaways from this from this game, as well as a preview of the game against the Portland Trailblazers tonight, Monday night. We'll be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Apologies if the audio is just a little bit different. In a little bit of a different room here, trying to accommodate my brother a little bit. He's got a an event going on that he's taking up our our shared space in the the office right now. So, in a different setup, and wanted to just wrap up this podcast by doing some big picture takeaways and previewing the Portland matchup on Monday night. Five big picture takeaways for Denver and where they are right now. Number one, I think Nikola Jokic is going to set a career high in assists per game. I'm not really sure that that's like that's definitely not a hot take given where he's at as a passer, given what the Nuggets have surrounded him with. But just seeing it on Friday night, 
or seeing on a Friday night against the Warriors and then seeing it again on Saturday night against a team that doubled him consistently, the Nuggets have the talent to hit all of those shots around him. They hit 23s on Saturday night. And in previous years, especially last year, Denver didn't have the outside shooting talent to really make up for when Jokic was doubled as strongly as he was. I do think that they're going to have to find some times to make sure that he gets one-on-one coverage. I like that they went to a post-up in the middle of the floor, uh, kind of an isolation at the free throw line as opposed to on the baseline where he could get doubled relatively easier. Like that they decided to try to get him a scoring opportunity instead. But even still, Jokic is more than happy to pass the ball to KCP, to pass the ball to Michael Porter, to pass the ball to Jamal Murray, and to pass the ball to Aaron Gordon. KCP has a quick trigger. There's no doubt about that. I'm glad that he does because as he continues to prove to the rest of the NBA that he needs to be denied just as much as anybody else, it's going to open up the entire floor for Denver. So don't hem and haw about KCP taking too many shots right now because it actually does help the Nuggets long term. With Aaron Gordon, that might be a little bit different. Like the more he puts on film that he's not a great three-point shooter, the less that teams will guard him. They'll go to that more consistently. But Jokic is still going to dump that ball off to him around the baseline, uh, up top for dunks, and in the paint for uh, easy baskets around the rim. That's going to continue to happen. And then Porter, like he has no problem shooting any of his shots, and that's good because those are passes that Nikola Jokic is perfectly fine with at this point. And then Murray Jokic two-man game. He's going to get some points off of or some assists off of DHOs for Jamal. That's going to just happen naturally. So I'm good with it. I think that Yoke is going to average pretty close to a triple double, and that's just really cool. Number two, KCP. I think he's Denver's best three and D option maybe ever. Like, how many other players have they had in? We'll just start with the Jokic Malone era, where. The guy is a lockdown dude, or at least a lockdown team defender, where you know that the team is going to operate better with him on the court, as well as just an absolute sniper from three-point range. KCP, he'll cool off at various points, and there's going to be times where people are wondering, okay, he went one of eight from three. Should he really have shot all those shots? Yes, he absolutely should have, at least if they're open. But I think that he's going to be extremely helpful for all the reasons that I said before. Going to be very, very helpful for this Nuggets team. That is going to persist. Number three, Denver's defense. It can lock in. You saw stints against the Warriors, against the Thunder, where that defense can lock in and cause some problems for other teams. Jokic can get some stops at key opportune moments. So can Porter. You know the KCP, Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon, those guys are going to be switching out and defending and playing a high effort and energy level style defense. But there are definitely times where the struggles are going to show up and they're going to show pretty big until Denver has to lock in. 
The Nuggets are a team full of procrastinators. There's no doubt about that. They love to keep the game close until the end where they try to turn it on. That is their best skill as a team. But what they do when they do have to turn it on is they generally don't make mistakes. They And, and if they do make mistakes, it's a one-off thing. It's not necessarily something where you expect it to happen over and over again. I will say was not exactly enthused with the way the Jokic was defending pick and pops. Those guys were not going to dribble drive to the rim. And if they did, what's the worst that can happen? So he's got to be better at getting out the three-point shooters. That's definitely a thing. But other than that, Denver can find ways to defend with pretty much any other combination that they have on the court. And now you can mix in a guy like Christian Brown late in games where he can be a defensive substitution for various guys. And how many times did the Nuggets in key defensive moments last year go to just their starting lineup? Monte Morris, Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Nikola Jokic. In a vacuum, if any of those guys is like, except Aaron, if those other guys are like Denver's fourth or fifth best defenders on the court, then that's fine. Unfortunately, one of those guys had to be Denver's second best defender in lineups with Aaron Gordon. Now, with KCP, Bruce Brown, Jamal Murray, who looks really good defensively, Michael Porter's making some plays. He's not like like, like Mike, uh, Michael Malone said, he's not Scottie Pippen out there, and he probably will never be Scottie Pippen, and that's fine. But Denver has options between Bruce Brown, KCP, Jamal Murray, Christian Brown, lots of guys that they can throw out there in addition to Aaron Gordon, and it's going to be good. Number four, I think the Bones is going to be hit or miss for a while. Trying to get back that rhythm, like Bones, more than just about anybody, is a rhythm player. He's somebody that if he can get into that zone, it's hard to get him back out of it. He's a guy that will help carry Denver's team for a full half, maybe even a full game. But if he never gets to that zone, then he's not going to look very good. And he never got to that zone against OKC. It wasn't for lack of trying. He uh, was aggressive. He was trying to get to the paint and draw some attention. But the way that OKC was defending him, they tried switching a lot of things and they played really good defense up front. That's um, that's going to be a problem for Bones. At least until he can get to a confident place where he is truly setting the table for his teammates and truly directing traffic. He's gonna, if he can get to that place, then he'll be really good and the team will be really good. But he's got to see one step ahead of the defense right now. and He's just not yet. And then number five. Backup center is going to be an issue on most games, and that's fine. Nikola Jokic played 39 minutes on a back-to-back this last game. That's kind of problematic. Like I hope Denver can get to a place where they only have to play him 35. But in order to do that, both Zeke Naji and DeAndre Jordan have to find ways to make it work in their respective matchups. Tonight was supposed, or last night was supposed to be a matchup where Zeke Naji excelled, and he didn't. He had the matchup opportunity. He had the ability to go grab some rebounds, to make sure that he was in position to impact the game, and he just didn't. 
He got beat by OKC's guards on the perimeter, which is not something that he's supposed to let happen. He wasn't in good position to contest Mike Muscala, and that's a problem. I'm not saying that DeAndre Jordan would be better. Like, There's definitely aspects to DeAndre Jordan's game that everybody can really point to and be like, yeah, that's not it. But in order for Zeke to really own that spot, or at least lay an actual claim to it, he's going to have to play better. So I'm curious to see who Michael Malone goes to against Portland. Portland has a very small lineup. In theory, it should be Zeke. But we'll see. Now let's just transition to previewing Portland. The Blazers are going to come off of a back-to-back after a tough win over the LA Lakers. They are also traveling because they played in LA, so they're traveling back up to Portland and will also be on a back-to-back against Denver. Damian Lillard, he's back, and he looks great. Like There's definitely no issue with him at this point. He gets, off of his, he gets off his shots, whether he's in isolation, whether he's in pick and roll. He's hitting threes, looking good. He's looking explosive and aggressive. And he's at that stage right now where people kind of forgot about him. And now he's showing up and looking like a star or superstar again. He is still in that tier where he's not quite top 10, I don't think, but he's close. He's he's close to that place. And anytime you have a player like that, you have to respect them well and true. He put up, I think, back-to-back 40-point games, if I'm not mistaken. Like, the dude is very good. So they are going to have to really pay attention to him. But if they do, then they will probably come out with a win, Denver. Yusuf Nurkic does not look fantastic. Nurkic looks really slow. Even slower than Yoke. And like Yoke looks quicker. Like he's he's quicker than he really ever has been. But there's still some things that he struggles with. Nurkic, he's slower than he's ever been. And whether it's because he's coming off of injuries or because he like has kind of slowed down a little bit as he's gotten to be a veteran, he just doesn't look great. And so that should be a matchup where Nikola Jokic really excels. He doesn't necessarily have to score in order to win that matchup, though. Like, I do think that if he can beat Yusuf Nurkic in scoring moves and then draw help and kick out the threes or kick to cutters, he'll be able to have another 10 plus assist game, Nikola. And Nurkic just isn't really going to be able to do anything about it if Nikola is staying properly aggressive. And as bad as Nurkic has looked, back of center has looked even worse for the Blazers because right now they had Olivier Saar uh, and they had Trendon Watford. Those were the guys that they had and they're both injured. I think they're both going to be out for Denver, like against Denver. So right now, their backup center is Justice Winslow or Jeremy Grant staggering with the second unit. That's not great. That is not great. But what it means to me is that Zeke Naji has to be good. He has to be playing well, playing aggressively, grabbing rebounds, and doing the things that he should do as a big guy, not just a small ball five. He's bigger than anybody that the Blazers are going to be able to throw out there outside of 
Yusuf Nurkic. He should be good. Next takeaway, the Nuggets are going to have to score 120. Like, that should be a requirement. The Blazers can score. They will be able to put up points against Denver, even if Denver does play them pretty well. Like, one of the things about the Nuggets is they're probably still going to play two at the level, though they will try and play some more drop against Dame at times, where they try to prevent the pass from getting through to Yusuf Nurkic. Now, that could leave Damian Lillard to get open. That could leave some issues with Jokic at the rim. But I do think that Denver should try it. Like, they should try to have Jokic play some drop and make things easier for him early on in the game. And then he could push a little bit higher and play a little bit more at the level and blitz. But I do think that because the Blazers' offense can hang, Denver's going to have to play and play well on the offensive end themselves. They can score 120-plus. Like, they've done it in each of the last two games against OKC and Golden State, and the Blazers are a far worse defense. Far worse. There is no doubt in my mind that the Nuggets should be able to score. And if they can't, that's a problem. Or they just didn't approach things the right way. But I think that Denver should be able to do that, and there should be no reason why Denver can't win this game, especially with Portland coming off of a back-to-back. All right. I think that's it. I think we're good. Uh, But either way, really fun win for Denver on Saturday night. Obviously a great win for Denver Friday night against Golden State. If they're able to pick up another win against the Blazers, go 3-1 and heading into a matchup against the Lakers, who are 0-3 and look horrible, would be a good momentum bit for the Nuggets. They need it, and they can get it. Should be fun. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.